Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Anti-Racist Economy with Kim Creighton. Our podcast is dedicated to building a world that is supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation-free. Each week, join Kim and myself, Erin Mills, as we dissect uh, current events, pop culture, social change, and ever explore the rapidly evolving dynamics in the workplace, especially as they pertain to anti-racism and psychological safety. And usually what we like to do, if you're new to this podcast, is we start the week by speaking with Kim, uh, who, as mentioned, is the anti-racist economist, hence the very appropriate title for the podcast, about what's going on in her business. And uh, so, Kim, let's get started. Um, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Thank you, Erin. The one thing that I am proud of that happened the past week was I got to speak at the um, Trans Tech Summit. Um, and I got to talk to them about profit without oppression. And um, anybody who knows my work is about prioritizing the most vulnerable. And right now, the most vulnerable are, um, there are many but when you look at intersections, trans individuals, non-gender um, conforming, non-binary individuals are being targeted um, across the country. So I felt very humbled and very proud to have been able to spend some time with um, that community because I pride myself in being able to flow throughout communities and um, gaining people's trust is important to doing that, to doing that work of when we talked about hoodnomics, when we talked about straight no chasing, when we talk about all the bringing, bringing economics to the everyday community. Um, if I can do it with the most vulnerable, then I can do it with anybody. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, what were some of the topics that you discussed in that session? Well, um, it was funny because my I wasn't going to apply because I thought it was um, specifically for trans individuals and my assistant re did some reading and it wasn't. And so um, it was 30, 60 to 90 minutes. And I was like, I'll do 30 because I don't want to take up space. <laughs> um, and so I actually what I did was and you've seen me talk. So I actually recorded it and got it to 13 minutes. So I to make sure I had time to answer questions. Um, and so like with many of the marginalized communities I'm now speaking to, um, what I'm saying is so new for people. It's, it's this visceral feeling that they knew something was wrong, but they didn't have a language, couldn't put a finger on it. And so now being able to put a finger on it um, is something that um, people are appreciating. So that was that was um, delightful. That was nice. That's great. I know so much of your work and a lot of what I've learned from working with you is about applying definitions and giving a language and a syntax to to these to these conversations so that mm -hmm. folks know how to move forward and modeling conversations and providing it's, that it's, we're literally writing our our own new dictionary because we're i'm coming across constantly i, I can't remember yesterday i can't i had to make up another word to explain something that <laughs> and uh, um and um i don't think i wrote that word down so it's gonna have to come back to me but yeah it's 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 constantly and this is why I'm, I, I refuse, I'm not here to convince or convert or debate you because we're making this up as we go. I'm making this up as I go, um, as I encounter certain situations and being able to come up with, um, because when people ask me, they're like, what do you do? The best thing I can say is I'm an experience. I cannot explain to you what it is. You have to experience what I do. You have to experience. It's not something I can put on a CV resume or it's, I can't put it in a, you know, a, a definition of what do you do? Um, and to some people, for a while, I was kind of ashamed of that because um, everybody, you know, I'm, I I do this. You are an event. You do events. You know, I don't, can't say because I'm making this up. <laughs> and it's the, it's the experience. So what I can say is I am um, actively building systems, institutions, and policies that prioritize supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. That's the base I can get to you. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, we're going to talk a lot today about uh, systems, institutions, and policies. <laughs> um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so we have a real juicy, a real juicy uh, topic that we'd love to dive into for our audience today. And if, again, if you're new to this podcast, uh, we call it the trigger. And that's really kind of the impetus for the conversation 
uh, week over week. And so this particular trigger, I'm actually going to read a quick passage to everyone, um, but we're going to be talking a lot about what's gone down in the crypto marketplace over the last uh, six months. Um, and specifically, let me pull this up. Uh, we're going to be talking about the FTX exchanges. Uh, so, and you might be familiar with a lot of the, the news coverage coming out is about the quote unquote autopsy of, of kind of the undergoing, the, the happenings, right? And everything that, that kind of under- <laughs> Under the hood. Under the hood, <laughs> under the hood of, of this uh, corrupt business model. And so why don't I go ahead and I'm going to read this statement. You know what? I'm going to challenge you. I won't, okay. don't want to use corrupt. What I want to use, because I want to continue to use through the lens, it is not supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. So people have a term, they have a, everybody has their own term about what, a definition about what corrupt is. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do, use a new language. And so we're going to put it in that frame because in that frame, it does not meet the standard of what we're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. And that's what we were just talking about. That, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and it, I think it's important just to pause and just, you'll hear us talk a lot about this on this podcast, words and, mm -hmm. and what, the significance of and choosing carefully what you say and being willing to reassess how you use words and, and how they might impact others. So that's a great point. And trying to kind of keep everything within the lens of the the, the four tenets of freedom that, that we try to promote mm -hmm. through this work. And that's exactly. a great point. And yeah. this is why, um, again, why I'm not here to convince and convert a debate because I'm making this just like you just said that and that triggered something in my head. You can't debate me on something I'm developing as I go. You can't debate me on it. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, 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 that, and that's why we need this language. Because when we use words that exist currently to define new phenomenon, they don't work well. Mm hmm 100% because you bring it with your own attachment to those words yes, and the exactly. own, and the, the current attachments of the of the systems institutions policies that are no longer serving us yes, right they never served that never served but a but, but a small select few mm -hmm. people at the at the expense of everybody else mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. i don't want to use that I, I i try to avoid that there's some of that language that's necessary but when we have alternatives um, I, I like to lean into those because, again, we're building, we're no longer putting new wine in old wineskins. We're building something different. And we don't want to, we want to minimize what we take from there <laughs> and bring over because it's cancer. It's cancerous. It will metastasize in, in what we're trying to do. 100%. Okay, well, let's take a look at this. So. Mm -hmm. The FTX exchanges gained international prominence for their popularity among users. Their high-profile acquisitions and celebrity endorsements and the public image of Sam Bankman-Fried, their co-founder and CEO, as a philanthropist who worked to enhance standards, disclosure, oversight, and customer production in the crypto industry. On November 11, 2022, however, capping a stunning collapse that began just nine days earlier with the revelation of financial weaknesses at their affiliated training firm, Alameda Research, LLC, the FTX exchanges and certain entities under common ownership, and they're being referred to as the FTX group, filed for bankruptcy. Within weeks, Bankman-Fried was charged with perpetuating a multi-billion dollar fraud through the FTX group with at least three senior insiders who have pled guilty in connection with the scheme. <sighs> so... Um, I want to at the point at this point I want to bring um, um, give credit to Molly White, who I follow um, on, on Twitter. I follow on Mastodon. She has been um, she's a researcher and she's been calling out crypto, blockchain, and Web three um, for a while now. And I, I I learned so much from her. This she's one of those people. She goes she digs into the details. And so um, it was her Twitter post thread that brought this to my attention. The the because I didn't know the the that the um, report had been released, mm -hmm. and so she broke down the report. And 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 one of the and I want to start with this. One of the first things that that was said in the report is um, the first in the report by John J. Ray the third, and he they brought him in. He was actually. 
I can't remember which he, it wasn't Enron. It was something he was, they brought him in to do another company, um, to restructure another company that's very famous. I can't think of it right now, but his name is John J. Ray III, the, the restructuring guru and CEO, uh, um, and CEO of the remains of FTX. So what happens is when they filed bankruptcy, they brought him in to be um, the CEO and to restructure everything. And, he, and he, these are the reports he's saying depicts a horror show of moronic Gen Z hubris, financial impropriety, deceit, and so much more. Before we even get into this, let's just, let's just bring, I just want to put it out. This was a multi-billion dollar company run by assholes who had no understanding of basic um, HR, um, basic um, they didn't even have crypto experts and they were a crypto exchange. They were running a multi-billion dollar company with 45 different entities using Google, I mean, using QuickBooks, Google Docs, Slack. No enterprise level <laughs> uh, systems. It's nothing in place that it, they were running this bill multi multi now i'm gonna need to say multi-billion dollar company as if it was a small mom and pop and so they were uh, moving money around they were basically stealing money um it got so bad let me just it, it, it <clears throat> let me just read one of the things that she said that she pulled from here it says um uh they, they were normally there are readily identifiable records. This is all coming from the report. Data sources and processes that can be used to identify and safeguard assets of the estate, not so with the FTX group. The basic things that any financial institution would need to have in place, FTX didn't have it in place. Um, they, uh, they, they, even you can tell my frustration because it is so much worse under the hood than it was that we saw, and they got away with it. That's what if they had not, um, uh, if they, they got hacked, which they this all oh, this is another, I'm, y'all gonna have to excuse me because this just brings up so many. This is such a trigger for me because it makes me rethink again using language. Mm-hmm. They got quote unquote hacked, they didn't get hacked. They didn't have their information, their their um, secret keys. In, 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 as a crypto company, they didn't even have their stuff, the secret keys that unlock everything. They had it in plain text in Google Docs. Right. It wasn't even in a secure place. So you didn't get hacked. And so I'm, that made me start thinking about, all, remember back to, through through 20 up into all these other crypto places who were hacked? Were they actually now now using the word? Should we? They weren't hacked. Should we be using the word hack for this behavior? Right. Because right. hack means you did something to protect yourself, right. and somebody came in nefar- and did something nefarious Correct. to you. You're a victim this is if not you've a been hack. hacked. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is not a hack. You did not know you. Your hubris, your it, your your arrogance, all of those things were in pl- You didn't, which means you didn't put in place things because you thought you knew what you were doing. You had free reign. I mean, just how they use people's money. One, 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 I'm trying to find this one that just blew my mind. Give me just a second. Um, it was, oh, and then they would fire anybody who started, who they brought in to, and question them on things. Um, at the t- a quote from the document. At the time of the bankruptcy filing, the FTF group did not even have a current or complete list of who its employees were. How do you hell you hire people and you don't know who the hell working for you? Right. This this wasn't a business. This was an after school club, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it says the small accounting, the small accounting firm that they did use for their entities for most accounting appears to have a small number of employees and no specialized knowledge in relating to crypto or international financing markets. Approximately 80,000 transactions were simply left as unprocessed accounting entries in catch all QuickBooks accounts called Ask My Accountant. 
80,000 people. Um, oh, this is what I love. So Elamina was one of the entities. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam Brank from Free says, Elamina is unauterable. We are only able to ballpark what its the balances are, let alone something like a comprehensive transaction um, history. We sometimes find $50 million of assets laying around that we lost track of, such as life. Think about, think about this, people. And it really pisses me off because this is where the most vulnerable ended up. This is where they put their money because the data shows that black and brown people are less likely to put their money in the stock market. I think the stock market is is gambling. I, I personally do because that's what it is. People get bet on. And I can say that because I used to work on the trading floor. I used to put those damn numbers into the machines as these motherfuckers was hollering, hollering and screaming at us. It's gambling. So, and it's not even... You, you're you giving your money to somebody else to gamble on your behalf. That's what hedge funds do. That's what these, mm-hmm. all that shit, right? But at least it's regulated. Correct. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's, it's gambling. It is a legalized form of gambling. And, and so, exactly. So mm-hmm. black and particularly black folks have stayed away from the stock market. But because of how this shit was pitched, because of all the celebrities that talked about it and said it was safe in, in, in downs and, and market downturns, it was inflation safe, it was fiat safe. And if you don't know what fiat is, that's just cash money. That's just money. Um, and they were trying to get away from the fiat. And crypto was going to do all of these things. Black people, the most vulnerable, put so much money in this. And that, that's who lost. Because when you look at how crypto, these crypto exchanges made money, they made money off transaction fees. There is no viable yet. This thing has been, crypto blockchain has been around for over 10 years and they have yet to find a, it does not solve, it is a solution looking for a problem. And only the most vulnerable have the ability to create a solution looking for problems. I can't, if I'm not from the start trying to solve a solution, I, I will not have a business. So basically, you had a bunch of frat boys, more majority, um, playing Monopoly with other people's money. They were they were borrowing. They they could get loans with no promissory notes from this money. They bought their per and use it personally. They bought property. They um, used it to a uh, gift to uh, um, political campaigns. They everything but run this damn business how it should be. It's the ultimate showing of privilege. Like it's just disgusting. It's just like the fact that, that, that folks can go so far with something because of their privilege. And it just, and and everybody just loves Sam Bankman free when, because he was, you know, he was the un, un, un CEO, CEO. He show up all ratted and shit. I can't show up at a thing. My hair looking a mess and being underdressed and be taken seriously. Oh, everybody talked about how he negotiated this one multi-billion dollar contract while he was on a Zoom call, but he was playing video games at the same time. So he wasn't even all dialed in. Can you imagine one of us having a meeting about money and we're not paying attention to the people trying to give us money? Right. Yeah, we would never be deemed eclectic. Uh, (laughs) No. Yes, we would never see that would never be a winning point for us. And all the ways that this ecosystem, because it was 45 something companies created and it was all a dream. They got to play with other people's money because they had they knew the right people to, to fund it. They knew they were going to be in the right um, um, rooms. Like his parents are attorneys that work um, at Stanford. Here's a pipeline right into VC money, right into that whole that whole Silicon Valley crap. All the while. This is happening. The news, everybody's talking about how brilliant he is. Nobody's looking behind us. Nobody's looking under the hood. There is no hell. 
I won't even lie on, I can't even lie on a damn loan application for fear that somebody going to go out and go grab my taxes and see. I can't get people to fund me at a minimum of $100 a month. And, and people can readily see the work I'm doing. My work is out in the public. Right. And this is why when I talk about um, one of the things that I'm about to get on the roll and talk about with um, with um, the straight no chaser is I'm sick of people, first of all, talking about it's broken. It needs to be fixed. It's not broken. It does not need to be fixed. It is operating as best is. But I'm also tired of people abstracting away the human of economy, the markets, housing prices. No, it's people like Sam Bankman-Free and his elk. It's people. The economy is people. It is, But it's the fact that certain people are able to leverage the economy and other people aren't. And so this is why I'm hitting the roll so that the average Popeye's worker, Walmart worker, person, um, a, a school teacher, whatever, can start having informed conversations about what the economy is. Because what we're right now doing is abdicating. We're abstracting. Because when we extract the ex Ex extract the people from the actual economy. So, like when we say the market, the the start, the 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 inflation index, the housing prices, you can't hold that accountable. That's right. abstract. That's it. but when I say people making decisions about the market, people making decisions about housing prices, just like with the two thousand eight um housing crisis. It wasn't a housing crisis. It was people who were making decisions on their behalf that caused a crisis in house. That's what happened. The narrative is fucked up. And it goes back to, again, how we use the word. Mm -hmm. And then those people didn't. We bailed out the banks who did it, but no one went to jail because no, everybody, it was the, the, the it wasn't the people. It was, it was like, the, oh, this just happened. This, no, it was people making decisions that cause all of these things to happen. And that's what we need to, you can't hold a market accountable. You can't hold housing prices accountable. You can't hold an inflation accountable. But we can hold the people who make those decisions accountable. And nobody in this, I mean, the fact that he had to get to uh, being hacked, quote unquote hacked, filing bankruptcy for anybody to even go and start investigating this company until that moment until those moments this company had the best damn reputation and you know it's so interesting as i'm listening to you i'm, I'm thinking about like the the cya culture that i mm -hmm. i i was bred in right and for those of you who don't know that i can cover your ass right and mm -hmm. so like they didn't even <laughs> like they were so arrogant that they're like, eh, look, look at that and response. Anybody like, who, it's unaudible. They brought exactly. And so, exactly. How do you say a billion dollar company is unaudible? Hell, I know where every penny in my shit goes and I'm nowhere near that. I know. And it's interesting. It, it, it's also, it's interesting too, that like some the CYA culture, I believe is it's a double-edged sword. Number one, I think accountability is good and everyone should have accountability, but CYA teaches you to just have accountability for the sake of not getting in trouble yep. and not for the better good or whatever you're trying to achieve. Right. And so I think that's where this also gets very convoluted is some people just work out of fear. Right. So they're just covering their ass, covering their ass, covering their and ass. Then the, and the folks who, who push back were fired. Yep. Exactly. In and this, case. this, and this, it's the same thing as why I don't like whisper networks. I understand the need for whisper networks, but it's the people who don't get access to the whisper networks who sit, end up getting. When white women go create a little group to tell you about the predatory men in the community, and they don't share that with every other woman who is not a white woman, they are perpetuating and complicit in the harming of the of the of what happens next. And I get it. I get it. It's the same thing with right now. Um, we're looking at the, oh my God, we're looking at the Dominion case, right? Where they're suing Fox for $1.6 billion. Well, there's this producer who's now um, quit her job and now suing Fox. And she's coming out with all the, the tea 
But when asked, because she's trying again, white people get to be hero victim, never the villain. When asked or pushed, why did she say anything? Oh, she's trying to cover her ass. She didn't feel that she had the power to say anything. She wanted to keep her job. Da 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 da. And what you see over and over again, it is black women who end up quitting their jobs and calling out a whole bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. And this is why I say black women are the moral compass. It's not me being arrogant. It is the data. White women will sit there and take it and make sure and cozy up with the with the oppressors so that they're not oppressed, but they will not help those down the line. The 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 CEO of Alamina was a white woman. Yep. Mm-hmm. So even cover your own ass, it goes back to our earlier conversation. We what's the words? What do they mean? Yep. So again, I understand why Whisper Network exists. I want to create an ecosystem where they don't need to. Because what happens is the people who are in the whisper networks are, 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 can leverage the ability to protect themselves without feeling any obligation to pass that down to other people who are most vulnerable. So you're absolutely right. Cover your ass. It's all, it's all about you. Right. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it makes sense. It's cover your ass. Yeah. But we can't do that with supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation for your future. We can't. Right. It cannot be about individuals. Um, And let me be clear, because I want to make sure people understand when I say that the economy is people, individuals making decisions. It's still about systems, institutions, and policies because there are people who are running these systems, institutions, and policies and making decisions based on that. And those individuals, if you've been entrusted with those responsibilities, you need to be held accountable because you profit when they go well. You get bonuses and all these other things, but you never get hit when things go wrong. That's different from when I'm saying individuals, we don't get there. We get there together or not at all. That's a collective. Mm-hmm. And that's particular for folks who cannot leverage systems, institutions, and policies for their benefit. Because I've been asking this question over and over again. When, when white, everybody, all these white folks talking about, let's say the democracy, da 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 da. Sweetheart, I've never experienced a democracy. This democracy that you speak of. I've never experienced the constitution when it was written, my ancestors were property. It was not intended to, to include us. Even the 13th, 14th and 15th amendments that supposedly made us free did not make us free because I, I can't think if it's the 13th or 14th amendment that talks about prison or, you know, you can, you can get free labor from prisoners. When someone's incarcerated, they lose their freedom, but but now you can exploit their labor. That's slavery. I used to, speaking of that, I used to be, think, think, I have so many mixed emotions about when I see prisoners like cleaning up the highway. I used to think, oh, okay. But then when I see prisoners fighting fire, forest fires, dying, fighting forest fires, or when they get out, they can't get jobs as firefighters because of their record. That's exploitation. Mm-hmm. Those prisoners working on the side of the road, everything in prison costs money. We set up prison, uh, capitalism in prison. It's, it's, it's Everything is the phone calls, the computer, everything costs money. So when you so when you put situ- people in situations where things cost money and they have no access to money, of course they're going to do shit. Just think about the even, how do you even, in your head, if you talk about prison is a deterrent, right? Just just if, you, if that's the, the narrative, that prison is a deterrent, which we know it is not. You set up a system where everything in that, everything in that, ecosystem requires the person, the, the most vulnerable. Now, we're not talking about the crimes they committed or supposed right. to committed. That's a whole other thing. They are incarcerated now. They Their liberty has been stripped away from them. 
whether rightly or wrong. But you set up a situation where they have to work to make money to pay for things, or they have to do all kinds of other things to make money to pay for things. Of course, it's going to be right with corruption and, and duplicity and all kinds of stuff, because the whole system is about exploitation. You're exploiting them. It's the same thing when um, Georgia had a testing cheating scandal. And I, that was at the time when I was an educator. I was not of the same mind as other people because I saw, as an educator, I saw the pressure that districts were putting on teachers to ensure that test scores were high. You were incentivized if your test scores were high and you were decent, not just decent, you were punished. You could lose your job if your scores were too low. Surprise, surprise, people started cheating. You set up a system that they could not fucking win in. Mm -hmm. And then you sent them to prison. Because they had to, for them to succeed in the system that you set up, it required cheating. Yeah, it's like it's I mean, gonna... like playing Hunger Games. Like you're playing, you're playing Hunger Games with these folks. You're putting them, you're locking them into a scenario, either metaphorical or actual. Yeah, <laughs> and and literally, I mean, it was like, what do you expect to happen? And again, well, this is where power comes in, and and like I have I because I get it. The, this is where authority comes in. Like this is, and, and I have I really struggle with just the notions of this because again, I don't believe that's how, like what was intended i mean there needs to be law there needs to be order but but it's but it, what I, this stripping of liberties and in 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 your job and your, you know i just i struggle with it like i i just really struggle with it um and it's something to struggle with when you think about who's making the law i don't believe it, for me let's be honest it's not about particularly incarcerating black people it's never about order because if it was about order white people it would be incarcerated at the same rates as black folks mhm mm and so at its very foundation, it's corrupt. At the very foundation, it's polluted. So then you come with the narrative of, so the narrative to, to, to deter crime is, is what you say to sell it. Because that's where all the, the, the news frightens white folks. Oh, the crime rate, the crime rate. You have to do that to sell that. And so another current event is the Tennessee, the situation that happened in Tennessee with the representatives. First of all, no one who knew who the fuck these Justins were before this. White folks are really starting to show, you can't, they, they're unable to hide it anymore because of so much is being publicly recorded. Because if they could have done in the, in, in the dark, they would have because they've done this shit before in the dark. So you kick out, expel two black men for doing their jobs. And they broke rules that have not been evenly um, carried out amongst other people. Because I love how Justin Jones get a list of all the shit that's happened in that chamber and those folks said, you had a person who pissed on somebody else's seat and now he's in leadership in the federal, in the in the state government. How the hell is that not decorum, against decorum, against civility? He wasn't expelled. So you have these uneven rules, and then there are three, and the white woman doesn't get kicked out. And when she first, I was disappointed when she first, when they, for her first interview, she got, I'm, I don't know if somebody got in her ear, or she figured it out, because she said it might be because of the color of skin. Might be? Might be? No, it's because you're a six-year-old white woman. And so we can tie this back again to FTX. Oh, yeah. How the, mo how the most powerful, they get to piss in people's seats and nobody says anything. In that chamber, there's somebody who's been, uh, who uh, admitted to um, having sex with teenage girls. In his past, he's not been sanctioned. So that's where the whole, that's why you feel that way about that because it's, in, it's disingenuous, it's not the truth. The, oh, we're doing this for 
for um for public safety. The police do not reduce crime. They come after the fact because if they reduce crime, you wouldn't have to be get your ass beat to get a first to get a restraining order. You wouldn't have to be um, raped first to, when somebody's stuck. You wouldn't have to get to you know these extremes to get uh, someone who's stalking you. You wouldn't have. Um, uh, they do not deter crime. I don't care how many police you put on a beat, that would not deter crime. Particularly, they have no relationship with the people in that community. So then we end up relying on surveillance equipment. Hell, surveillance equipment would have been great for this goddamn company. At least it would have tracked where that, those 50 billion, they just don't know where the hell they, and from based on what I'm reading, it wasn't the, it wasn't one time they just popped up and found $50 million. I know. Well, it's it, I know again as I'm listening to you. Thinking, I, was, I mean, think about all the corporate scandals, all the multi-level marketing schemes, everything that's gone on over the last 50 years in business, and that doesn't deter any of these folks. Like again, there's there's no you know. Why would they? How yeah. many of them go to jail? None, he yeah. is one in. He is, and it's only because his was so egregious. It pays to do white collar crime. It pays. Even if you go to jail, you can stash some money away and you get out in a few You ain't go doing no hard time. That fool who did the goddamn fire festival trying to do it again. And when people ask him why, he's like, because I have to pay them back and I can't pay them back if I'm sitting on the. He gets the benefit of the doubt. I was just going to bring up the fire festival. That's like such a. A great corollary. Like it's it's exact same situation. Yep. yep. Just replay. Yes. And again, it is systems, institutions, and policies designed, it's not by mistake, they're not broken, to privilege the few at the expense of the many. Because it would be fine. It would be okay if it was just privileging them. And it didn't impact. But it always impacts us negatively. Their right. benefit always harms us. Right. So again, then, cover them covering their asses, it the shit goes downhill. Right. And not and obviously far beyond the folks who are actually invested in the fund. What it does is it discredits the idea that there is an alternative. So it instills more fear in folks, right? More fear. Mm -hmm. Um it leads to again further miseducation about the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just it just has a Doppler effect. from people who are already ignorant because they mm -hmm. don't know. They think that you know who talks about who talks about the economy to folks. I don't recall even when people talk about budgeting. That's not the economy. No. So we don't even talk about the economy in schools, and you have to be interested in economics or some financial things to be act actively talking about the economy. And then you look at um S like get yeah, S B S B B B Bank. They were such a niche market doing so many niche niche things that they should not have been doing. But when they started hollering and asking for help because they were the because it was the most um the um the the shit. This was not even the one percent. This is the Point one percent. They got the help they wanted. I'm not saying that the bank should have failed, but the majority of people who were small business owners, entrepreneurs who were using that bank because they couldn't use anything else because it was tied to them getting VC money, weren't weren't in the millions. Most of them were under that two hundred fifty dollar fifty dollar thousand dollar cap, and that's where the fuck they should have left it. You shouldn't have bailed out these rich ass people. You shouldn't have. They were playing with money anyway. It was play money. They had, most of them had not had, uh, were not profitable. That's why they were pulling money out of the bank in the first place. So again, they were covering their ass. Shit's falling apart. Peter Thiel gets into a Slack channel and tells his, his people he's invested, hey, it's time for you to pull out money. They're in a the Slack channel. They cause a run on the bank because they're covering their ass. Then there are people in there who are like, oh, the stock price is going down. Let me, 
You're pulling money out, causing the bank run, but you buying stocks so that when it goes up, you can make money. I know. And I think what's incredibly frightening is the acceleration and the rate at which all of this is occurring. I mean, and again, everyone is just is covering their own ass and they're moving quick and there's no collective consideration. I shouldn't say there's no, there's very little collective consideration of, 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 of this. Oh um, no, they have it because he, they do that. Um, autist, uh, 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 effective altruism. And there's another thing that was so everybody loved about saying back and free. There's this, this movement called autistic, uh, um, effective altruism, where the goal is to get rich so you can become a philanthropist. That's how they sell it. That's how the fuck they sell it. Oh, we, we're the smart ones. Let us get rich and then we will give back to you. This is why we un need to understand it's people that, that uh, are the economy, not these things, these, these abstract things. Well, to, to bring it home, what do you know? What do you think that the, our listeners, who a lot of them are entrepreneurs, small business owners, folks trying to make their own way and, and trying to, you know, to, to practice their own supremacy, coercion, discrimination, exploitation free business businesses, what can we all learn from this? The most important thing that The, what, what's, what's coming to me right now, and this is not a fool, but what's, if just based on the conversation, recognize when you have the privilege to build something you don't know shit about. And if you don't know shit about it, make sure you spend the money you get hiring those people who do. Because up until now, it was just, oh, let me, blockchain, crypto was this, this oh, this funny thing. And we're seeing it now with, uh, with um, I, this quote, all because I, I, have, I have a hard time calling it artificial intelligence because it's not, it's not intelligent. But we're seeing right now how people are speeding to do that. And it's really messing up newsrooms. It's messing up a whole bunch of shit because people want to act like this stuff is intelligent. It's not, it's parroting out what's been put into the data set. And the other thing I need people to understand, I need y'all to think more thoroughly on long-term impact of your decision. And if you are not able to do that and everything, every every scenario you come up with is, is roses, then you're fucking up because that means you don't have the lived experience to understand what the problems could be and you shouldn't be doing it. That's what tech has sold us. Everything's going to be rosy. There are not going to be any problems. We're going to save the world. And it is caused. If, you th if we thought about how the mining of crypto is impacting the environment, that's a whole other thing. How can you say you're building something that's going to be positive for the world when you are putting the level of carbon emissions you're putting into the atmosphere? At scale, at scale. So I need the people to think, to think it's not just about, uh, I'll leave you with this. I say this all the time. Just because we can does not mean we should. Just because you can does not mean you're the person who should. Yeah. Well. With that, something we love to do is to celebrate. Because amid everything, Kim, you do a great job of finding joy. And we have this little segment called, Why Can't Two Pitches Be Joyful? And so what is bringing you joy this week? I have been in my garden. I thought that was just a fluke last year. But I got started again this year just I bought all this equipment that I didn't have. The 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 uh, yeah, my ADHD and, and and the seasons change. If you don't hit me at the right time, my so I brought all this gardening equipment and it just sat there. And this year, I'm like, I'm happy I have that. I've been planting. I've been um, starting seeds. I've been um, just going out doing some sweating in the yard. 
Well, I saw, I'm not on TikTok. I know you recently are. And I saw on Insta where I am and not very often, but I did see that you posted a TikTok from your garden, garden supplies and you were, you were picking up some stuff. Yeah. I went in there just to get some, 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 um, some soil for seeds or mixture for seeds and walked out with, yeah, I had, I walked out with eight elephant ear, um, roots. I walked out with, um, um, a, a blueberry, uh, plant, a black, uh, blackberry plant, some snake away, some ant heels. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm just enjoying, it's, it's really because I've slowed things down since I'm, I'm now in this business by myself. I'm starting from scratch. I'm just taking my time and slowing. So yeah, gardening has been um, just a little, and it's not, I'm not addicted. It's not like, oh, I'm obsessed. I'll just go to, I'm like, oh, let me just go out here. Cause one part of my yard um, was the, the soil was really hard. And I was like, I'll just take my time. So every day I'll just do another little chunk of turning it over and go back in the house the next day. I, and, and it got done. Mm-hmm. And I love that as a metaphor for just like, how to approach business, you know, just, just foot forward, just a little bit at a time. And, and it's interesting because my daughter, speaking of gardening is in Girl Scouts. And so she Mm -hmm. got this week, they planted a little seedling in a pot Mm -hmm. and every day after school, she comes home, she waters it, she stares at it. She's waiting Mm -hmm. for something to happen. And I think it's such a good virtue to teach again, patience and just back to the basics. And I'm thrilled that she cares about her plant. She knows she comes home and instead of wanting to play a video game, she just stares at her plants, you know? (laughs) And and that's what I can say that gardening, again, it's different for me. Yes. It's, it's going out and put it, but what I've been, I'm looking at these gardening shows and it's people who have People buy land, right? And they want to put these things on. But because of how the wind blows, they got to put trees up, which means that's going to be five years or 10 years before they can even do anything with this land. And then once the trees get to a place where they, then they'll plant the thing. And it's like they, are, they understand the long term. There's this man who, this, this, um, they, were, they were irises and he was cross pollinating iris. This man had to be 80 goddamn years old. He was old. And he's cross-pollinating this this plant and saying, "Oh, but we you won't know if it worked for five years. He could be dead in five <laughs> years, but he's still doing it. He doesn't think about. It. He's thinking right. this is for the future. Yeah, this is how pro- this is what profit without oppression is. This is what supremacy, coercion, and discrimination, exploitation is. I I already know. I will not see this in my lifetime. I am planting seeds for future generations." So how about yourself? You know, I just want to comment on your last comment because I think so much of this and you and I don't really talk about faith a lot or or our spirituality, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for me, I think a lot of of this and just the floundering and what you're seeing going on in business, if, if if you have the larger understanding that you just described and you can deal with the finite nature of our being here, and you can somehow come to term with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that that does. In it fact, shifts. It, shifts it shifts a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. So I think a lot because of because covering you your see... ass becomes different. Because now, who are you covering your ass for? I'm covering my ass for the future. Right. I'm not covering my ass for today. Me by myself. Right. So when I cover my ass, okay, this is good. So when I cover my ass, I'm thinking about this shit's happening right now. What can I do to ensure that it doesn't happen in the future? Right. Or that other people don't have the same, have to deal with the same thing. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I know because it's scary. Believe me, it's scary. Well, you know, I grapple with my spirituality. I grapple with my, <laughs> my, my life. We all do. Right. I would imagine, especially lately, I, I had a, a, a loss a few months ago. My father-in-law passed away and I'm still dealing, I'm processing and I will always process. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But we do it and also having the three kids at home having to have conversations actively they want to talk about death they want to mm-hmm. talk about what happens from here and whatever that you know and that only exposes certainly further insecurities in myself and how do you talk about mm-hmm. it, how do you grapple with it but there has to be some level of of acceptance and and that will ultimately impact that, throughout the world if you if you, you know? are, whatever is mm-hmm. born will die 
We, and that uh, gardening also helps me with that. Yeah. I'm doing some shit right now with some seeds. They ain't coming up like I thought they would. Okay. That didn't, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Or something you have, your favorite plant, it dies. Something happens in the winter, it dies. Everything is either growing or, or decaying. And what we're seeing in, in, in oh, it's good. What we're seeing is in, in business and in tech and in all these other industries, when you're looking at entertainment, everybody's trying to do the status quo. Status quo is death. You cannot, there is no unmovable or unchanging, let me put it that way, because change is the only constant. That's right. So, and, and this is why, again, going back to the Tennessee thing, they want the status quo. It is being destroyed. It does that. It does not does not work now. The status quo does not work now. It never worked for everybody. It worked for certain people. So what's happening is those people that it worked for will hold on to a dying. They are dinosaurs. They don't realize that they're dying right now by not embracing inclusion and diversity and and multiculturalism and multi religions. They're dying. And but they're gonna. They're gonna kill a lot as they go out the door because they're now they're they're willing. They're they're, yep. they're, they're, they're they're and that's why I say white supremacy. The only role is destruction and chaos, and we see it. It's ha- it's playing out in front of us. Right. Well, and it's a great segue to what I know is our planned uh, topic for our next podcast, which is mm-hmm. the, par- the parasite eating its host, right? And how yes. ultimately um, white supremacy affects white people. News alert. <laughs> It always has. It always has. It always will. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into that in our next episode. Um, So, but before I do, thank you for asking what's bringing me joy this week is the weather. We, so I'm in New Jersey, New Jersey pride. Uh It's it's unseasonably warm, which I will say also brings me concern because obviously this is unusual for this time of the year and obviously symptomatic of global warming because it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be 86 degrees in April. Yeah. You Um, are warmer than it is down here. Is it really? Oh yeah, yeah. You're we're 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 still in the seventies. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It and is, and it we're is... still in we're still in forties in the morning. Yeah. So it's eighty six degrees here. It might even hit ninety today. It's it's unbelievable. Mm. So so mm-hmm. I'm trying to embrace it and enjoy it because again, what else are you gonna do? However, yeah. um <laughs> yes. So you know, it's it's unusual. So but that's bringing me joy. Got the windows open. It's 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 really beautiful out today. So good, good. All right. So with that, I guess we should wrap up. And again, very excited for folks to tune into our next episode where we mm-hmm. dive deep into uh white supremacy and what it means for for not for folks, everybody, not just <laughs> not just uh those oppressed. The others, quote unquote. The mm-hmm. others, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are, and we'll end with, we are laying the foundation for a future that is hopeful, authentic, and strategic in action. Will you join us? 